Praise the Lord. Do you love the Lord this morning? Amen. Amen. It's good to be in God's house and good to see each and every one of you. Before we begin this morning, why don't we just all stand and let's just open in prayer, shall we? Praise the Lord. Precious Jesus, thank you, Lord, that we can be here today. Thank you, Lord, that we can live for you. Thank you for the opportunity to study your word. Thank you, Lord, that we can gather together in freedom, Lord Jesus. We love you. Have your way today, Lord. Be exalted, Lord, in your church, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing. And uh, for those of you who did stand, Amen. We're going to continue on this morning with the Life Class series that we started um, last week. Uh, we're doing a three-part series on Christmas, amen, we're talking about unwrapping Christmas and we're looking at the Christmas story, looking at the event of Jesus' birth and looking at what applications we can find for our life today, amen, because everything in the Bible is applicable for our life, amen, if it's in God's Word, we should make sure if we need to do it, we do it, amen, amen, praise the Lord. So we're going to start today by talking about being courageous and committed. Turn to the person next to you, say, courageous and committed. Amen. I'm going to start with a story this morning. The name of the town was Andover in the state of Ohio in America. This was where Brother Canaan was from, Ohio. We all miss Brother Canaan, don't we? I don't know if he watches this live, but missing Brother Canaan. Amen. This town was called Andover in Ohio, and it was very wet. For 10 days straight, it had been raining. <coughs> But this particular morning, it was the first day it had stopped raining, but the drains and the ditches were still very full of water with very fast-moving storm water as it was escaping down towards the drains. And on this particular morning, it was a while ago, now 1989 this story happened, um, two little girls went outside to wave goodbye to their father. Two-year-old Jessica was one of them. About five, ten minutes later, about five, six houses down, a man by the name of Ray was washing dishes in his kitchen. As he looked out the window at the storm ditch that was running out the front of his property, he saw the body of a little girl getting swept down the road in this stormwater ditch, trying to save herself but unable to. <coughs> Ray dropped what he was doing and he ran out as fast as he could and tried to run to get in front of the little girl so he could find some way of trying to save her. Because he knew just 40, 50 meters down the road, there was a massive storm drain that opened up. And it was completely flooded. And if that little girl went down there, there was no way she would survive. And so Ray ran frantically, trying to catch up with Jessica. And he was not able to catch her. He couldn't get past her. So he flung himself into the water and managed to grab a hold of her. And as the storm water, it was deep enough that both of them were being swept along. He was grasping, trying to find something, anything on the side of the ditch that he could grab onto and hold. And as he gets swept closer and closer to this storm drain that went underneath the road, he knew that if they both got there, they were both dead. And finally, with only a few meters to spare, his hand caught a rock that was protruding off the side of, into the storm ditch. And he held onto it for all of his life. And eventually, after about 10 minutes of holding on, some firefighters came and rescued him and the little girl and they were both treated for shock and for near drowning but they both survived and uh, a little later on Ray actually received a medal he was a civilian 
but he received a medal from the Coast Guard for heroism. The most incredible thing about that story, however, is that Ray could not swim. Ray couldn't swim. You know, having courage does not mean that you were never afraid. It only means that when you are afraid, you choose to act anyway. And, and I don't know about you, but maybe, just maybe, you would have had a second thought in your mind if you saw that little girl. Hang on, I can't swim. If I throw myself into this after her, maybe I'm not going to make it either. But Ray had courage, didn't he? He didn't hesitate. What do you think would have happened if he had hesitated? In just a moment, that little girl would have been gone. But without a hesitation, he thrown himself, he threw himself into that stormwater ditch to save that little girl's life. In our Bibles now, as we consider the Christmas story, turn with me, if you would, to the Gospel of Matthew, because we're going to talk about courage that we see in the Christmas story now. Courage to act, even though you might be afraid. Courage to act, even though you might not know what tomorrow holds. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to read from verse 18. And I want the impact of this first verse just to rest with you for a moment. Because I, I read it to Sister Janie when I was studying and preparing for this. And I said to her, I said, this is probably the most devastating verse in the Bible. Ready? Listen to this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wife, on this wise rather. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Just let that sink in for a second. The girl to whom you are engaged, who has committed herself to you, suddenly winds up pregnant. What about the promise? You're meant to be mine. We're meant to be together. Who have you done this with? Imagine these questions filling Joseph's mind. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Just think for a moment how Joseph would have felt in those moments when Mary comes to him and says, Joseph, I've got something to tell you. Joseph is probably thinking, oh, she's burnt dinner. Or maybe she's spent some money we didn't really have. Or maybe she's going away on holidays and I can't come. No, sit down, Joseph, this is serious. I'm pregnant. Imagine Joseph's brain exploding. 
And then Mary says, but, 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 it's the Holy Spirit. What? Mm. Joseph's life and Joseph's commitment to Mary would change his life as he knew it forever. He was being asked to marry someone who was already expecting a child who was not his own. Now, it's one thing to have blended families where you come together after children have been born, but to be engaged to be married to someone who is then pregnant some other way. Not many men would continue to say, yeah, no, I'll still marry you. That's fine. Most men would say, I'm done. See you later. If you can't be faithful to me now and we're not even married yet, I'm out of here. But Joseph was asked to give up what was safe and what was normal about his life to act as the father of God who had come in flesh. And because of these circumstances, because of the story of Mary and Joseph, because of the way Mary was suddenly pregnant, this question would hang over their relationship forever. Well, hang on. Let me just do the math here, Joseph. When did you guys say you'd get married? And sorry, how old is Jesus? He's three years old, right? That means, wow, man. What did you, did you break the law? No, 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 I didn't. Jesus is special. You see, these questions would be constantly asked by people as Jesus was growing up. And yet, Joseph had courage to commit to being a man of integrity. When Joseph thought Mary was unfaithful to him, by rights, he could have had her stoned according to Jewish law. That was what the law said. He could have acted on that. But Joseph was a righteous man. And he did not want to expose Mary to public ridicule, so he was going to put her away privately. But of course, we know the angel then appeared to Joseph in a dream and explained what was going on. But Joseph had to lay all that aside and accept the fact that there would always be people who would question him about why he married Mary. And why was she unfaithful to you, Joseph? And what did you do wrong for her to do that to you for the rest of his life? But Joseph had courage to commit. Joseph had courage and commitment to protect his family. If you read just a little bit longer, Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13, it says this, And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. You know, Joseph was committed to protecting his family. Joseph was committed to putting them first. You know, King Herod was jealous of this baby, right? Because the wise men from the east had come and they'd said, we want to come and worship the king of the Jews. And Herod was like, hang on, I'm the king of the Jews, Who are you trying to worship? You should be worshiping me. I'm the king of the Jews. Who's this baby? And so Herod was consumed with jealousy. He wanted to see Jesus dead. And yet Joseph, who was committed to protecting his family, immediately obeyed what the angel had told him to do. And in his obedience to the Lord, he saved Jesus' life. He kept Jesus alive in those early years. And so Joseph was a man of great courage, courage to commit to protecting the Lord 
to doing what God had told him to do and to protecting what God had given him. Joseph was a man of courage. Let's talk about Mary. Mary had courage to be extraordinary. You know, Mary is often pictured, particularly for those of you who have grown up in sort of a Catholic tradition, you know, Mary is kind of depicted as some sort of superhuman saint. You know, she's the best possible person you can pray to because she's so close to Jesus, right? And Mary is kind of depicted as just so super spiritual, so amazing, just incredible. But the truth of the matter is, is Mary was just like any other teenager because she was very young when she had Jesus. According to tradition, she may have been 16, 17, 18 maybe. She was a teenager still, but she was godly. That's what stood out about Mary, and she caught God's attention. Look at this, Luke chapter 1. Let's flick over a couple of Gospels. And in the sixth month, verse 26 of Luke chapter 1, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. Now just stop for a second there. Can you imagine if you were in your home, 16, 17 years old, and suddenly an angel appears and says that to you. Wow. What's going on? What's going on, Lord? It says, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great. And he shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Now, I want you to think for a second here. Mary is a teenager. She's espoused to someone else. And this angel has just appeared and told her, you're going to be pregnant. You're going to conceive. You're going to bring forth a son. And she's trying to work this out. What is going on? You know, in our culture, in, in the culture that we live in, it's, it's, it's become very commonplace for people just to have babies outside of marriage, right? Have kids outside of marriage. But in Mary's day and age, this didn't happen. This was opening yourself up for ridicule and for being mocked and for questioning your character and your morals and who you were as a person. And Mary's suddenly been told, you're going to get pregnant. She's like, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm going to marry Joseph. We're going to have a family. It's going to be amazing. No, no, no. Before you marry Joseph, you're going to have a baby. Can you imagine how Mary would feel about that? God, what are you asking me to do? I can't. I've been raised better than that, God. No, but Mary had courage to be extraordinary. In Mary's culture, it would have been a disgrace to be pregnant outside of marriage. And imagine the conversation she would have had with her friends. Maybe for the first couple of months she tries to hide it so people don't notice it. But then, you know, they be, these things become noticeable. Yeah. And her friends say, 
Mary, what have you done? Nothing. No, this is, this is God. An angel came to me. What? What planet are you living, Mary? No, no, an angel. I promise you, this is what happened. An angel came to me and said that I was going to give birth to a son, and, and we're going to call his name Jesus, and, and, and the angel told me that he's going to inherit the throne of King David. Mary, are you crazy? Are you crazy, Mary? But Mary had courage to be extraordinary. And Mary wholeheartedly embraced her role as the mother of the Messiah. And she knew that her life would not be easy because of it. Because again, for the rest of her life, there would be these questions asked. And then you think about the fact of what happened with Jesus 33 years later. Mary was there. And had to go through that as well to see her firstborn son on a cross. And yet Mary never wavered. Mary never backed down. She wasn't some superhuman saint. She wasn't super anointed, super spiritual. She was just someone who was godly who wanted to do what God wanted her to do in her life. Amen. So she had courage to be extraordinary. And no matter what the earthly consequences would be, no matter the ridicule, no matter the people putting her down, no matter what people said about her behind closed doors, she had courage to stick to the course and no, this is what God has called me to do, so I'm going to do it with all my heart, with everything that I've got. Mary had courage to be extraordinary. Let's move on in the Gospel of Luke here, Luke chapter 2. And let's read from verse 8. It says this, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, verse 13, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heavens, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they which heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. You know, the shepherds had courage as well. The shepherds had courage to break the mold that they were meant to fit into. In the Old Testament now, you know, if you look at a children's storybook, they often show shepherds looking a little bit like Jesus with long robes and long hair and looking very serene and calm as they look out over their flock of sheep. 
you know, holding a staff in their hand and the sheep are just grazing and the sun is shining and the sky is blue. But can I tell you, that's not really what shepherding was really like in the Old Testament. Shepherds in the Bible were considered crooks. They were considered liars. They were considered unclean. They were considered smelly and dirty because they lived with their sheep all the time. It wasn't always green fields and blue skies. There was rain. There was cold. There was frost. There was sick sheep that need to be looked after. Day and night. All the time. And so shepherds were not considered an honorable occupation. You know, when you were talking to your children and they were on their way to school for the careers day, the fathers would say, don't, whatever you do, don't sign up for being a shepherd apprenticeship. Be a carpenter, be a fisherman, be, don't be a shepherd. You don't want to be a shepherd. No, they smell, you smell, your hair smells, your kids smell, your food smells, everything smells like sheep. And they're crooks, they're horrible, they're not nice people. Don't be a shepherd, son. Be something else, please. Nobody wanted to be a shepherd. Because shepherds were considered unclean and nasty. But God, God does not operate by human standards, does he now? God has a different way of measuring things, a different way of looking things at the world. And, and rather than God announcing the fact that his son had been born to kings and in palaces and to people who would be interested to know who the latest royalty was, no, God decided to put on a concert for a bunch of these lowly, smelly, stinky shepherds who were in the middle of the evening watching their flock, and suddenly an angel appears to them to announce that a newborn king had arrived. You know, God allowed the lowest members of society to be part of something that was miraculous. The angels not only proclaimed the praises of the newborn king, but they also illustrated a really important point that the gospel message applies to everybody in society. Not just the people who have deserved it, not just the people who have earned it, not just the, the good people and the nice people and the people with the money, but no, society's, the message is for everyone in society. The gospel message is for everyone in society. And so that's why God chose to give the message to the shepherds, amen. You know, that night, the group of shepherds ceased to be socially shunned and shamed, and instead, they believed what the angel told them. Not only did they believe, but they obeyed what the angel commanded them. The angel said, go. So they went, and they told everybody, the newborn king has come. The Messiah has come. In a way, these were the very first evangelists that Jesus ever had, telling people, the Savior has been born. Amen. There's a lesson in there for us. We ought to obey the gospel. We ought to obey what God asks us to do. Amen. We cannot refuse God's command, but we should be grateful that God does speak to us because it doesn't matter what our background is, what our story is, where we come from, who we are, how much money we got in the bank or how little money we got in the bank. God still loves us. God still has a purpose and a plan for us uh, and God still wants to use us. Amen. 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 So the shepherds had courage to break the mold. They didn't just sit back, no, no, God, you, whoa, back up, back up. Send the angels somewhere else. You've made a mistake. Nobody wants to talk to us. Nobody wants to listen to us. We're just shepherds. No, they got the message. They obeyed. They spread the gospel, amen. They spread the news, amen. So they had courage to break the mold. Now, how does all this apply to us today? 
talking about courage, talking about Christmas, talking about these characters in Christmas, Joseph, Mary, the shepherds, like Joseph, you and I, we have been chosen by God. Now, 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. And what that means, if we are truly called, then like Joseph, we have to make a commitment to God even when it's scary. Even when we don't know what the future holds. Even when we don't understand why things are happening. Even when people around us say that we're crazy. And people say we should quit. And people should say we give up. When friends say that we are crazy, we are called to be committed to Jesus Christ. We are called to have courage to commit to Him. Amen. Like Joseph, not only are we called to have courage to commit to Jesus Christ, but we are called to have courage to protect what God has given us. Joseph took Mary and Joseph to Egypt. Why? Because God had told him, you need to protect this family because they're special. Brothers and sisters, you and I have been given a tremendous truth that we stand for. And you and I, we need to have courage to protect it. We need to have courage not to compromise. We need to have courage to stand up when the going get tough and says, no, I will not give up. I will not quit. I will continue to stand for what God's word says. That means I'm going to continue to be holy. I'm going to continue to be separated. I'm going to continue coming to church. I'm going to continue continue living for God. I'm going to continue to outreach and witness to other people. I'm going to continue to reach this world. Why? Because it doesn't matter what the world says. God has called us to be committed and to protect what God has given us. Amen? Someone say amen. Like Mary, we've been chosen to be an example of what it means to be virtuous and to be pure. Let's look in the Bible here, 1 Timothy. Paul is writing to Timothy here, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. It says this, let no man despise your youth, but be you an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Amen. We need to be an example to our brothers and sisters. We need to be an example to the world around us. Amen. Mary was an example to everyone around you, around her, sorry, to be listening to what God said, be obedient to what God had asked her, but maintain her innocence and her purity as well, amen. We are called to be the same, amen. I said it already, but we are called to be holy. We are called to be set apart. We're called to live for God. People need to look at our lives, look at the way that we conduct ourselves, the way we speak, the way we have our attitude, the way we address other people, and say there's something different about them. There's something that's going on in their life. They're different from everybody else around them. Right? We've got to have courage to be able to commit to that. Courage, amen, to be like Mary, to set that example for people around us. And like the shepherds did, 
We have to have courage to obey, courage to believe, and courage to tell what God is doing in our lives. Brother Radic and I, we were talking about this just before church started, amen. We can't be sitting back in our church and thinking, well, this is all good. The angel has announced the message. We are saved. We've been baptized. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit. That's great. We're going to hang out here and have a good old time together in church. No, no, no. The shepherds did not just stay on the hill and think, wow, what a beautiful song that was. That's fantastic. Now, Betty Bo Peep over there, she needs to, you know, be shorn. So let's get over here and get back to work as a shepherd. No. They straight away, the Bible says, they went, they found the Savior. They worshipped Him, then they left and they started telling everybody they could see. Hey, the Savior has been born. The Messiah is here. Brothers and sisters, God did not save us so we can sit in church and be very comfortable and very happy. No, God saved us to be salt and light in this world. Amen. God saved us to reach people with this gospel. Amen. And whether we do that via relationships, whether we do that by going to the hospital and praying for the sick, whether we do that with family and friends, whether we go down to the Esplanade and reach people who look like they're hurting, whatever it is, brothers and sisters, like the shepherds, we have a responsibility to say hey the savior has been born there's a reason for christmas amen you can believe the gospel you can repent you can be baptized you can be filled with the holy spirit you can be saved as well amen there is a way out of what's going on in this world hello and so that's what god is calling us to do that's what god is calling us to do and of course when we think about this we think about that we think wow man i've got to be committed i've got to be holy i've got to be separated you know i've got to share the gospel and we think that seems rather overwhelming hello man god wants me to do all of that but the key thing we've got to remember is all of this happened why because jesus had come because emmanuel god with us was there It's the same thing in our lives, brothers and sisters. If we have been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, then hello, Emmanuel, God is with us, amen. And so we can have courage to do these things, not because we're something special, not because we're super spiritual or super prayed up and we can quote the Bible backwards from Revelation, but because God is with us and His Spirit will strengthen us and empower us and keep us and enable us to be able to do what He's called us to to do amen amen that's why we keep saying you got to be filled with the spirit it's got to be rivers of living water flowing out from you like jesus spoke about amen because when it becomes stagnant when we don't stir up that gift and it becomes harder to be committed harder to stand strong harder to stand for these things amen so we need to do that amen and we need god with us to do that and i'm glad to say that he is with us amen finally from a human perspective, there was nothing particularly special about the birth of Jesus. You know, there was nothing really special about it from a human perspective. Yeah, there was angels singing. That's all very spiritual, right? But Jesus wasn't born in a palace. Jesus wasn't born, you know, with riches and glory and honor and fame. No, he came through a poor carpenter and his wife to be. And he was born in a manger. I mean, they couldn't even get a room in an inn to have a baby. They were stuck in the stable with all the animals and the feeding trough to have this baby. And so, sometimes in our life, we look at what God is doing in our life and we think, man, God's not really doing too much in my life. I don't really feel like I'm doing much. I feel like 
just kind of coming to church and I don't know, maybe I'm doing something small to help out, but I just, I'm not really doing much. But brothers and sisters, understand that, you know, when Mary and Joseph were holding that baby, they couldn't see the whole picture yet. They didn't know that this baby they were holding was one day going to walk on water. They didn't know that one day he was going to heal the sick, that one day Lazarus walk out of a tomb alive just because Jesus, their baby, said, Lazarus, come forth. They didn't know that this child would be able to feed 7,000 people on one occasion, 5,000 on another occasion. And they didn't know about Calvary. And they didn't know that what Jesus was going to accomplish would bring about nothing less than salvation open for the entire world, both Jew and Gentile. They had no idea of that. To them, it was a baby in a manger. Joseph was probably feeling like, I'm a failure. I can't hardly provide for my family. My wife is having a baby in a manger. Mary's probably thinking, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm not even in my hometown anymore. My mom's not here. She can't help me out. We don't know if her mom was there or not. But we know that they had to go back to the town to be taxed. Maybe mom was in a different town. And as they're looking at this, they're thinking, God, what can you do with this? Brothers and sisters, the Bible says, don't despise the day of small beginnings, amen. Don't just look at what you're doing for God and think that's not much, amen. Particularly when we're talking about things like personal evangelism and, and meeting with your friends and praying with your friends and being a good witness and being a good friend and being there for them when they need it. And people at work, you know, when something's going on at work and you just say a little prayer with someone and you're planting seeds. Don't despise those small things that God is doing through you. Amen? Because who knows? They can turn into great things if God is in it. Amen. Amen? And Jesus certainly turned into the greatest gift that we could ever have received at Christmas. Amen? Amen. Salvation for everyone. As we all stand this morning. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer together. My prayer for you especially as we are in this Christmas season, is that you would have courage to commit your life to God. Not just half-heartedly, not just, no, 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 no. And, and you know, maybe, maybe you're at the point in your life where, yeah, you have committed all your life to God, and that's great. I, I'd like to think that there's everything in my heart has been committed to God as well. But there are things in my life that I want to work on as well. Things in my life where I want to make sure God has free reign, where He does rule and reign in my life, amen. And I think we could all agree that there is always areas of our life that we want God to operate more freely in. We want God to show up more. We want Him to have more of our heart, more of our mind, more of our soul. Amen. We find it so easy sometimes, particularly at Christmas when family is important and everyone's got to get a gift and we've got to have food on the table, etc., etc., etc. And I get all of that. Right? But at this Christmas, let's pray that God would give us courage to commit more fully to Him. To have courage to make a difference in this world. To have courage to make difference in the lives of people around us. Amen. Would you pray with me? Let's lift our hands and let's begin to pray. Hallelujah, precious Jesus. Oh Lord, I pray right now over my church, Lord God, over the people who are here, Jesus. 
Lord, that we would have the courage to commit to you, Lord God. Lord, to not just hold back, Lord God, to not just be some sort of a Christian that comes sometimes, doesn't come sometimes, sometimes live for you, doesn't live for you, Lord God. But, but Lord, let our lives be marked, Lord Jesus, by you, God, that people would see a difference in our life, Lord God, that people would see there's something about us, Lord, that we're different to everybody else, Lord God. Why? Because we are committed to you, Lord. We are dedicated to you, Lord. Lord, we surrender our life to you again right now, Jesus, Lord, on the altar. We lift it up to you, Lord. We say, Lord, if you can use anything, Jesus, uh, you can use me, Lord God. If you could use shepherds, Lord, uh, if you could use some poor carpenter, Jesus, to protect uh, what you had given this world, Lord, if you could use uh, a young teenager who just loved you, Lord, uh, to bring about, Lord God, the birth of the one who would bring salvation to the world, Lord, then God, surely, surely you can use me, uh, and surely you could use these people, Lord God, to make a difference, Lord God, Lord, in our world workplaces, in our schools, Lord God, in our, in our communities, in our families, Lord God, help us to be united, Jesus, around our commitment to you, Lord. Help us to have courage, Lord Jesus, Lord, when people are criticizing and damning and condemning us, Lord, and, and saying we're hypocrites, Lord, because we don't always live up, Jesus, to what we want to live up to, Lord. Help us, Lord, to have courage, to stay the course, Lord God, to not turn back, to not back down and say, you know what, no, I'm not perfect, but I want to live for Jesus. I don't have everything figured out. I might be like those smelly shepherds. I might be a little bit unclean and a little bit dirty, a little bit messed up. And, and people might not like hanging out with me, Jesus. But God, I want to live for you no matter what, Lord God. Help us, Jesus, I pray, to have courage this Christmas, Lord God, to stand for you, Lord, to make a difference in this world, Lord God. Above all, Jesus, help us make a difference in this world, Lord, to people around us. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. Have your way in our life, Lord God. We surrender our life to you, Jesus. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand. Turn to the person next to you. Say, courage to commit. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord.